What's going on, y'all? So today's guest is Leah D. She's the host of the podcast Least of These, and she covers the cases that no one talks about. So I need to mention first that I actually didn't record the video for the first 20 minutes. So you'll hear the audio. You just won't see the video on YouTube. But we got the rest of it down. We had a great conversation talking about uh, missing people, uh, human trafficking to our faith in Christ. And it was a great conversation. I love talking to her and I hope you all love listening to it. And here she is, Leah D. It's, it's my foundation. It's my faith. It's my work ethic. It's my drive. It's everything that I've tried to build for myself that has made me who I am. And that, that's like when you do the podcast like you like you do, too, like it seems like it takes a lot of um, like investigative things or do you work with the families? Like how does go into like how how that works? OK, so it depends on the case. Some of them like I couldn't do a case every week with a family because there's so much that goes into it and I don't stop like just with the podcast. So I still work with my families with whatever they need. So. There's weeks where I just do investigative cases and there's weeks where I work with families. Like this past week was just an investigative case. So that's, it's still like work. I mean, it's like mm -hmm. you, for 30 minutes of content, you're talking like 80 hours of research. So it's a lot. So is this just something that you do for fun or do you have like a job on the side or what? Okay. So, um, I used to work about six jobs altogether, probably. Mm. Um, I've quit everything and we're just hoping the podcast will take off. Well, I don't really hope I know it will. Um, I'm a victim advocate here, so I don't charge families for that. Right. So that was, that was one way that I thought that I could make the two worlds meet and, you know, be able to support families full time and be able to quit some jobs. So I took the leap in, in February and quit two of them. So oh, wow. I'm hoping it works out. I think it will though. No, that's awesome. That's cool that you can do that. Yeah. Well, my husband, he's been in the military for 17 years. So, I mean, we have a two income household, so I'm yeah. able to do that. But yeah, finally, he was like, you just can't do all these things at once. Um, and this is what you're passionate about. So you just need to do it. So it was awesome that he was supportive. And he's just like, yeah, quit him. I, like, whatever. Yeah. What got you started in this kind of podcast in the first place? Okay. So um, I've been helping families probably for about four years. Um, just, you know, there's a huge disconnect between police and crime victim families. Yeah. Um, so that's how I got started. It was really to be a liaison between the two. Cause I grew up around law enforcement, never been a cop, none of that, mm -hmm. but I grew up around cops. And so I was really good at communicating with them and going on behalf of the families and kind of, um, taking the family through the steps that you need to do. So like when you have a, a loved one go missing or you have someone in your family murdered, you don't know what to do unless you've been there before. And so since I knew I could just kind of walk them through. So I wanted to do something since that's what I'm passionate about. It's just like um, with Taylor Gruel's case, I was able to help her family while working on the podcast. So it just kind of both worlds collided. And I met Heather from Big Mad True Crime on Jessica Van Zandt Dietzel's case. So that's a local case in Albany. Um, mm -hmm. Jessica has been missing since February 18th of 2020. 
and I represent her family. Heather contacted me and wanted to do the story. So we like went through the story together. And then she's like, why aren't you doing this? I was like, it's something I've always wanted to do. I just didn't know how to get started. And she's like, it's just as simple, just do it. So we did. And I sent her the first episode I recorded. And I remember her calling me and my phone like rang immediately as soon as I had sent it. So I knew it was her telling me like, no, 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 you, you know what, Leah, you don't have it. Like you just need to move on. But it wasn't, she was freaking out like, oh my God, you did so good. So she really helped me a lot. Um, and I actually just signed with her media company last week. Wow. Yeah. It's been crazy. That's great. Yeah. It's crazy. And it's such a short amount of time. Yeah. I think my first, well, my first episode dropped February 1st. So until now, and then I signed with them. Okay. And how do you go about like doing, like finding these cases and stuff? A lot of them are suggestions. Um, you know, or I see a family who needs help. Like in Taylor's case, I worked on Mercedes case first and they were friends. Mercedes is missing. And, um, without making an accusation here, but I mean, I'll just go ahead. Taylor's death is very suspicious. No Mm -hmm. one has been charged, but it's very suspicious. And, um, so I was working with Mercedes family and they told me about Taylor. So I reached out to her family and then sometimes families reach out to me. Um, I've been with Missing Persons Cases Network as an admin for a while. And so we have a lot of families of missing people reach out because they're just unsure of what to do. So, right. So how did you hear? Um, so I'm guessing my cousin and my aunt reached out to you. Is that how you got a, a hold of my Uncle Jake's case? So... Me and Rachel are friends. We met on Jessica's case, actually. So um, Rachel has been a huge supporter on Jessica's case. So I knew Rachel and I kind of knew the story. But when she really started telling me, I was just blown away. Like, Mm. it's it's insane. Yeah, I mean... I can remember exactly. I was actually at a bodybuilding show. I was backstage in my Speedo sitting down eating chicken and rice and I look at my phone and my sister texted me and said, um, you know, that my uncle Jake was murdered. I was like, what, you know? And you know, it's it's just, it's one of those things where you remember the time and place you were at. And I only met him a couple of times, but I'll tell you what, every single time he had you laughing and on the floor, him and my uncle Steve, they, when they hooked up, it was just nonstop laughter. It's been wild to meet the whole family and kind of get to know Jake through the family. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've talked to Yvonne a lot and Rachel and Will. um, But just the lack of investigation, I guess, was the biggest thing in Jake's case. And so we knew by telling the story, I mean, at this point, you know, she's convicted, she's in prison and she'll rot there, rightly so. Mm -hmm. Um, But by telling the story, you know, there are families just like yours that are out of options. If they had not gotten a private investigator, she would still be out. I mean, she would still be doing whatever. So the fight that they put up and the, the way that he was able to go, like I've looked over cases before and I was shocked at what, you know, Lee took literally a handful of photographs and a couple pages of a police report. And he went from there and it just goes to show that, you know, there's no, there should be no end to an investigation. So if you can't prove one way or the other, this person did this and they couldn't, um, the cops couldn't cause they didn't investigate it. So, you know, you shouldn't stop. And he's the prime example of just hard work. And I mean, he just went in there and he tracked down every lead and that was amazing to see. So 
in Jake's case, you see both sides. You see the cops who don't do their job. And I'm sorry, they didn't. They right. just didn't. No, no, and yeah. then you see Lee who went above and beyond. And you saw that, you know, the truth prevailed and, and um, you guys got justice for Jake. Yeah. And that was the one thing. One of the things I wanted to talk to you about is just like for like, luckily, you know, my aunt Yvonne has the money to find a, and have a private investigator, you know, but there are families that go through the similar things and they don't have that, you know, so then they just have to deal with what's handed to them, you know, right. and just hope and just hope that some, that someone will, you know, find out about the case or something like that. And that, those are the kind of things I just hate because to hear that their investigation and their, um, they called it a suicide within 38 minutes just blew my mind. Right. If you would have saw the police report, I was just like, this is it. Like, where's the rest of it? And Lee's like, that's it. And I was like, that I've, I've seen more of a police report done on literally anything like someone breaking into your house. I've seen a, a more lengthy investigation. And so that's the thing with the podcast too. I mean, right now, you know, I'm small, but I have connections. So if there's a family, you know, we can figure something out. There are private investigators all the time who do work for free. And so they'll take a case each year, you know, that kind of thing. And there are retired cops. There's people that are willing to help. It's just getting people in touch with those people. So, I mean, it's just like a, a, a network and there needs to be more and there needs to be more awareness that, you know, sometimes the police mess up. I'm a huge supporter of police. Don't right. get me wrong. I right. work with them every day. They're amazing people. But just like any other profession, you have great cops and you have bad cops. You have good teachers. You have bad teachers. And sometimes it's just the luck of the draw. Yeah. And, and the thing is, too, is just. You see it a lot in those small counties, the small towns, you know what I mean, where they think they can get away with it, that the lazy, you know, investigative stuff. And, um, you know, to, to me, it's just it's just sad to see that. And it's just not fair. No, it's so, it's so unfair because you see like just just in his case, you see two separate investigations. You see how it should have been done and you see how it was handled. And I think in Jake's case, they weren't prepared. Um, they didn't have the proper training. There were certain things that it was just, you know, the perfect storm for that to happen. And I do believe wholeheartedly in my heart, if your family had not fought so hard and, and got her put away, mm -hmm. we would be talking to a whole nother family. It, it would yeah. have happened again mm -hmm. because yeah. she thought she got away with it. And, you know, yeah, I mean, a hundred percent. She almost did. Yeah, exactly. And, and this has been, this has always been my problem is I've always thought cops need to be held to a higher standard. So there shouldn't be like, oh, we weren't prepared for this. We weren't trained for this. You know what I mean? Right. That, that shouldn't even be in question. You should be no, trained you, for you, so you many different things. Yeah. You shouldn't be showing up on a death scene unprepared. And that's what happened. So, I mean, yeah, because, you know, every, every family is just as important as the next. So like, you know, that's their loved one. Jake was your loved one, but I mean, it could have been anybody. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I'm not even a huge, uh, like I don't have the education and stuff like that, but I watch like all the, um, serial killer documentaries or like missing persons, uh, you know, like not too long ago they had the, the Madeline McCann, um, Oh yeah. Story that came out on Netflix. And like, I sat through that whole thing. I was like, what? I was trying sitting there trying to figure it out, 
because she's been missing forever. Oh, a long time. You and know? I, there's just this, there's nothing on that case. She's just she's just gone. Right. And, and that's with a lot of missing people. Yeah. And then it took, you know, uh, whatever country they were in, that those cops weren't doing their job. And then years pass and then the people are starting to think the parents did it because they're not showing emotion. I'm like, well, it's been years since it happened. Like what, how much emotion do they have left? Right. Right. (laughs) At some point you're just like a, like you are, you're just like, I miss work with missing people, families all the time. At some point you're just, you don't have anything left. I mean, there's that initial time where you go nuts and you're out tracking every lead and you're you're on the phone and you're and you're doing this and then as time goes on and the leads dry up i mean what else are you supposed to do mm-hmm. hey guys let's take a break for a second just want to talk to you about strong town nutrition my supplement store if you go to stnutrition.com you'll find brands like giant from nutri to run everything labs to black market labs guys these are brands that you don't find in the supplement stores. If you spend over $25, you'll get your free shipping when you get your supplements. So go to stnutrition.com. And as always, if you spend over $25, you get your free shipping. If you type in the promo code STRONG, S-T-R-O-N-G, all podcast listeners get 10% off your order. Go to stnutrition.com today. Check us out. Have you had any uh, good come from any of your podcasts, like someone being found or anything like that? Um, we have had positive movement in several cases, I would like to think. Mm-hmm. Not as positive as I would like it to be, Right. Um, but we're getting there. I mean, we have only been around since February, so it's a short time, but any, you know, we have seen some forward progress. I um, Sometimes the podcast can put pressure. Um, to make police do what they need to do. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's certain things I can't discuss, but yet we've seen some real positive yeah. movement in a couple cases. No, that's awesome because it's great to see that, you know, that you're putting all this time in for a reason. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I don't ever want to just tell someone's story to just be, you know, telling us a, a, a bad story or, yeah. or do this for entertainment. This is not entertainment to me. This mm-hmm. is something I'm passionate about. Um, so I always want to make, you know, there's a reason behind it, even if it, even if the case is solved. So in Jake's case, it's solved, Mm -hmm. but you know, it's teaching people that, okay, when you're out of options, a private investigator is an option, or even here are the signs to look for, because there were signs in Jake's case, but you, you don't see those signs unless you know them, right? Like you just don't, and no one wants to believe someone's that evil. They just, I mean, it's not on your radar, but those people exist. And the scary thing is they don't look that evil. I mean, she doesn't, she looks like a normal person. Mm-hmm. She's not, but she does. Yeah. I mean, and that's a, that's a scary thing too, is that, yeah. and that's why, you know, it's great to, to think, you know, that there's great people out there and people are good and to trust people and stuff like that. But you know, like things I've been through in my life, like I just, it's very hard for me to put that kind of uh, trust in someone, you know, and sometimes I just have an instinct. Right. You know, where. Never ignore that. Never, ever, ever ignore that. Right, right. You know, like, um, like, for example, we had this guy come to my house and he has to see like my camera um, video 
because there was there was a complaint about someone going around my neighborhood. And so after I closed the door, my wife was like, oh, did you ask for his badge or anything? I was like, no, I just knew he was a cop, you know, because he wasn't in, he was an unmarked, he was in an unmarked car. And, um, but I just, I could tell by his, uh, just the way he was standing, I could tell around his belt, his, he had his radio going on. I was listening to his radio to hear what they were saying. So it was just like, if someone was really trying to fake it, they went through a lot. (laughs) <laughs> you know, if he was really, yeah. so then we called the, um, the information hotline for the police or whatever. And they said, yeah, we have someone there. I was like, so we felt good about it, but I've seen, I've seen people go through a lot of links to fake it. There was this guy one time, um, and he had a whole car with a radio and everything in it mm. and was not a cop. So yeah. be careful. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think, I mean, and that was that was one of the times too where my instincts I felt like I was okay, you know. Yeah. But there's been times where I'm just like, eh, you know. No, I think that is the scariest part is that these like you think that you're gonna see a monster and you think that's what you're gonna see, but in a lot of these cases, the monster doesn't look like what you think the monster looks like. Um, and with missing people, most of the time, the statistics prove that, you know, they're missing from a person who knew them. This is not some yeah. stranger done, you know, came mm-hmm. in the middle of the night. This is someone they knew. It's it's hard to, to think like, how do you stop something like that? Because if it's from someone you knew, it, it could just keep happening over and over. Yeah. I mean, just be careful who you trust. And then yeah. I don't know there's no way, I mean, that I can see to stop it. I mean, these people, I mean, they just exist among us. And and sometimes you don't know, like, mm-hmm. I, I really feel like looking over Jake's case, he had no clue. Oh, yeah. He had no idea how evil she was because he, he couldn't think that way. You know what I'm saying? Like it just, yeah. that would never cross his mind. Right. And also I think he was one of those like very trusting people and, you know, things like that. Didn't think anyone would do anything bad to him that kind of thing, you know? Right. Yeah. I just think like he, he would never do that. So he couldn't imagine someone doing that. And it just, the way she did it was so, so evil and so behind his back. And so I just, he didn't, it didn't exist in his world. You know, he's just a a regular guy, a good guy, a funny guy. Everybody says that. Like I've, I've had a couple people message me actually with funny stories and, you know, that used to work with him and he was an honest guy and I don't think lying was in his nature. So he just didn't see it coming. So I want to warn people to, to pay attention, you know? Oh yeah, definitely. With your podcast, is it hard not to like say your opinion and how you feel about it? Sometimes it's really hard. <laughs> so there's a little bit of opinion in there um, every now and then, yeah. but sometimes it's, uh, I have to, I have to watch my mouth sometimes because I, I could say a few choice words about a few folks. Oh, right. Yeah. I mean, depending on what it was and how I felt about it and how mad it got me, uh, I don't know if I could do something like that because also you have to, I mean, I guess it, if it's already been through court and all that stuff, you don't have to be too like, you know, with the legal jargon and stuff like that. Right. Right. Yeah. There's a couple cases where, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm positive something happened, but I have to say allegedly, or I can't, there's information that I can't say because it hasn't been released yet. And, um, you know, sometimes that's hard. It's hard. And then sometimes it's hard not to, 
just go off on a string of expletives about somebody because what they did was so disgusting or evil or, you know, it's hard sometimes. And I get emotionally involved. Like, I think that's the other thing that people don't understand is that I meet a lot of these families. So, you know, I I learn and I see how years after they're still affected. I see how the mothers of my missing girls, um, every day is hell for them. Mm. And so it's hard. You, you there's, it's unavoidable to get emotionally attached. I mean, it just is because you fall in love with them Th- through their parents, through their little girl. One of my girls that's missing from here, Jessica Van Zant Dietzel. I mean, I've literally held her child in my arms. So, um, it's frustrating. It's frustrating sometimes. But one thing I wanted to know was like, um, your about your mindset going through these cases, especially with like missing children, since you have children of your own, you know, like how does that affect you? How does that affect you mentally? It's tough. I have to make sure that I have an outlet or do something fun. Like sometimes I'm surrounded by bad news and bad things and bad people. Um, not just because of the podcast. So I volunteer in the community doing things and um, yeah, I, I definitely have to step back sometimes and take, you know, a day, an hour. Um, the other day it just got rough. I was going through a case. Um, there was some stuff going on here, uh, locally. And so, you know, we just went and took my kids, walked around a pond, had a snack. Um, I have to make sure that there's certain things that, that I do, because I mean, there have been weeks where it has been rough, because you just, you know, you're, you're constantly talking to grieving families, families whose loved ones are missing, um, mothers of children who are missing. And it it takes its toll because no matter how hard you say, okay, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to get emotionally attached. When you hear a mother cry for her child, there's no way not to get emotionally attached. Right. I don't know what it is about watching a dad cry. Cause when a dad cries, you know, it's something serious. So when I watch a movie or if I watch a documentary or something like that and I see the dad cry, like I immediately start tearing up. That that's rough. And I've worked with a couple dads. So, um, and you know, the dad is like the, the strong figure. So when he breaks down, you, you know, it's rough. Um, but I love to be that person that they feel like they can talk to because, you know, I don't just do the podcast and move on. Mm-hmm. So I I'm still in touch with my families. Um, we still talk. I still push for things on their cases. So, you know, we're in constant contact. And I, and while I love that, you know, being able to talk to them, because sometimes it's as simple as let's just talk about your kid because nobody else wants to, you know, if your kid's been murdered or your kid's missing, um, I don't think people know how to react and they don't know how to feel that. So, you know, it's like, we can't talk about it. And if it's one thing that I've heard from my families over and over for, for how people can support them is just talk about their kid. I mean, they still have great memories. Their whole life wasn't just that one moment. So, you know, a lot of times they feel ostracized and like they can't talk about it because it makes other people sad and it's sad, but you know, there's also all these great memories that they want to talk about. So, I mean, that, that would be my, if you, you didn't ask for advice. So here's my unsolicited advice. No, yeah, of course. I mean, I don't know what I would do in that situation. I mean, I just saw a story the other day. I don't know if you've seen it. Uh, the lady that killed her two kids. Um, and one was 
seven, I think, like an the older mm-hmm. daughter, she stabbed her fifty times. Wow. And the young the young infant, it says she she disemboweled him. Are you talking about Sarah Gano? Yeah. Oh my gosh, I was just researching that case. That's going to be in the future. Oh really? Mm-hmm. Um, because that made me sick to my stomach. I was like, oh, uh-uh. And then she just tells her husband that, hey, it's pretty bloody here. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. What? It's gonna be bloody, but don't be sad. Oh I think my that was her gosh. word. Like, yeah, the, the evil. I mean, I don't, I don't know how else you explain that. You can give mental health, you can say all these things, but it, you know, I know people who struggle. I mean, mm. I've struggled with mental health issues yeah. myself in the past. I think everybody at some point in their life has, but that takes evil, man. I mean, I have two kids that I can't imagine 50 times. Yeah. I mean, and just to know, and that's something for me is a struggle when someone does something like that and all they do is have to spend life in jail. Um, I don't feel like that's enough for me. Sometimes I feel that way, but then you don't want to become the monster, right? Like that's true too. But, but again, I, I feel you. Sometimes you read that and you're yeah. like, yeah, I'd like to, you know, string you by your toes and skin you alive. But then you're like, eh, I mean, maybe we shouldn't do that. Right. You know, a lot of times I think like it should be eye for an eye. No matter like what you do to that person, it should get done to you. Yeah. But, yep. you know, I know it's not how the world works, but I don't know. <laughs> well, you don't want to it's become a monster. T- right. Exactly. I guess that's the only thing I could that's, say about that. But yeah. I mean, I've thought of it. <laughs> Trust me. Yeah, I mean, we're all human, and when we see something like that, it's just nothing but, you know, uh, revenge comes to your mind. Mm-hmm. But then once you start settling down and thinking about things, you're like, all right, let me be a bigger person. Yeah, but I mean, hopefully, if she's guilty, she gets what she deserves, and she yeah. doesn't see the light of day because yeah. she's a danger. I mean, if you can do that to your own kid, um, I don't think you deserve to be walking the streets. Yeah, exactly. What else do these um, families go through? Like, are they continuously like looking all the time, like every single day for their missing child? Oh, yeah. It's sometimes it's not so much like a physical search Mm -hmm. if there's not a place. But I mean, they're constantly talking to people, um, tracking down leads. You would be shocked if you knew the way that most police departments handle missing people. You know, you, I'm sure you've heard it before they, and I don't know what the solution is. You know, I don't, the solution is that we take it seriously from the rip, but I have, you know, Mercedes Clement, she's missing from Dallas, Texas. She's still in a want to locate status, which does not make her endangered missing, which does not, you know, give the police the resources and it's their fault. She's in that status. They're the ones who put her there. But I mean, there are huge red flags in her case that something happened to her. Um, and someone has harmed her, but we still have her in a want to locate status. Why is that? I mean, there's so much more that can be done. A lot of times these missing families are out there doing this stuff by the stuff on their own. I mean, her family has done an investigation larger than the police. It's the same for Jessica Van Zandt Dietzel's family. I mean, we were able to bring other agencies on that helped, but the initial agency that took the report, they kept telling her mom, you know, mom, this is just addict behavior. She'll come home. Hmm. Um, but we knew it was different. We, we knew that she was missing and she did live a higher um, risk lifestyle, but that doesn't make her any less more important to find. And we knew she was missing. 
her mother knew and the families know, you know what I'm saying? They, they know better than the police would know that, okay, this is for real this time. Like, you know, she's not just off with her friend. She's just not off at a party. Um, she's gone because, you know, she had missed calling her daughter on her birthday. So, I mean, that was really the offset to her whole case, but it took forever and, and precious time is lost and it's awful. But yeah. I mean, in the beginning, the investigators on that case were her parents, myself and a small team because the cops weren't taking it serious. Hmm. And why do you think that is, is it because they have too much on their plate or is it just because like they think there's no, you know, there's nothing left to do. I mean, I think a lot of times they just, you know, we do have a drug problem in this country. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times I think they write it off to that. The person's just off, you know, they're an adult. They don't want to be found. Um, but there's a huge difference. I mean, the families will know yeah. it. And, and sometimes the person doesn't even have to be using drugs. It, they just, you know, oh, they're an adult. And so that assumption is made. Um, and I don't think we have the resources we in any police department to handle the amount of people that go missing. I mean, it's insane. Yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't even know, like, would you have to, like, should we, like, just hire, like, a different team to, like, handle those kind of things and, or, you know, like, have that kind of stuff going on? I do think we need more officers, and yeah. I think we need more officers that are trained to specifically look for missing people mm. um, and to take it seriously. So, you know, you've wasted all this time, and surveillance video is overtaped, and, and people forget what they saw, and it needs to be immediate at the family. Sure. And if there are any, I mean, we can't, obviously if, you know, if someone goes to the grocery store and they're late, I mean, that's happened and people have reported to the police, but that's quickly resolved. Yeah. I mean, when you've got, you ain't heard from somebody for three or four days, it's pretty obvious. And then, you know, when there's evidence that shows something bad has happened, we need to take it seriously immediately because we would be able to find them a lot faster if we would just take it serious in the beginning. Is it a higher percentage of a uh, missing person being found alive? Do you know? I don't know the percentages, but, you know, we don't even know how many people we have missing. There's yeah. people who are missing right now that aren't reported. So, I mean, the statistics, they matter, but they don't. Yeah, right. If you know, because we don't even know. Mm -hmm. There's people that we have no idea. Cause it's, I mean, it's hard to think about too. And you think about the families and you think about, you know, um, what was that girl's name that, uh, got taken from her room when I was younger, Elizabeth smart. Yeah. Um, uh, my sister heard that story and she wouldn't sleep in her own room for years. And that story is what nightmares are made of. Yeah. I mean, she was kept right there in the public view and yeah. she wasn't found for all that time. Right. And that's one of the hardest things. And I forget. And luckily she was still alive. But, right. um, you know, for a lot of people, you know, like I was just listening to your last podcast and it was just uh, it just made me so angry. That one's rough. Everlease. Yeah. Everlease cool. was tough. You yeah, know, just listening tough. to um, how the cops didn't even like question the uh, the foster parents more than what they were. And no one even. Right. You know, no one dug more into them. Are you kidding me? And I mean, you have rights in this country. You don't, you don't have to cooperate with police. Mm -hmm. But I do think when it's a child's involved and you're talking about foster parents, mm -hmm. um, you're not talking about this kid's biological parents. 
um, foster parents should be held to a higher standard. And when a kid goes missing from your home, you need to cooperate. I mean, and they can't force them to. And I don't know what the solution is because I'm big on rights. So I think everybody does have a rights in this country, but we, we've got to do better. Um, and, and the years that have passed by with no word on what's happened to Everlease, it's, it's insane. Yeah. And I think there's like, cause I'm a big believer in rights too, but I think also there's, there's a line where, mm-hmm. you know, like law enforcement can do something to push you know, those rights back a little bit because they, they question your, um, motives or your ability to be a foster parent or something like that. You know what I mean? Like they could have pushed a little bit harder. Well, even in her case, if they just would have went off, you know, their own standards, they wouldn't have been foster parents. Mm -hmm. I mean, they didn't, um, complete required training. They had a child injured in their care. There were children that they just, you know, didn't want to deal with. So they brought him back to the safe haven. I mean, two months, two months prior to her disappearance, um, their license was renewed when it shouldn't have been, there was required training that wasn't completed. And so if we had just adhered to our own standards on that, mm-hmm. Everlease may still be here with us, yeah. you know, because she wouldn't have been placed with them. Yeah, and that's a shame too. And that's that's another thing I've always been iffy, iffy about is like foster parenting. You know, just because I know there's really good ones out there. Like, don't get me They're wrong. They're amazing foster parents. Oh, yeah, parents. there's really good ones. And it turns out, you know, they end up adopting the kid and they end up living great lives, you know. Um, but in the instance of, you know, the bad, the bad ones, it just makes those kids even worse. And, right. you know, it's, it's just hard. It's a hard pill to swallow. Well, you're taking a kid that's already at risk and you're preying on them. And to me, that takes a special kind of evil because, mm-hmm. you know, a kid doesn't end up in foster care because everything's wonderful. Right. They end up in foster care because they're already facing issues. Mm-hmm. So we really need to make sure we're vetting them. And there are, I don't want anyone to think that, you know, foster parents are amazing. The fact that they can take these kids into their home with those issues and love on these kids and, and, and heal their little broken hearts. And when it's done right, it's a beautiful thing. But those that take advantage of it, I mean, they're scum. So I don't, I don't know how else to say it. No, you're a- right. And that happens. Like you said in it, like they weren't even supposed to be foster parents, like under the, the regulations and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. If we would just enforce our own laws, maybe, you know, things like this wouldn't happen. Yeah. I think that's the most frustrating part as the law was already on the book. The rule was already there. It was, it just wasn't followed. And why wasn't it followed? Right. And I think in these kind of things, no one asks enough questions. Right. You know, everyone's just taking things as they are or they're um, kind of guessing or they're saying, oh, no, you know, we've seen stuff like this. It usually ends up like this. You know what I mean? Like um, like when they saw my Uncle Jake, they saw, oh, that's a suicide. You know what I mean? Because oh, they yeah. saw how it was. But it's just like. You don't know that someone didn't move that. You don't know if someone put that there. You didn't know. You don't know what happened. Which let me just say this about Jake's case. I saw what I think there's 14 photographs that were taken. Mm. It's very obvious that that was staged. And the fact that police didn't pick up on that. Now, granted, I do review cases. I do see crime scenes a lot. Um, But I mean, we had experts. Don't listen to me because I'm just me. Mm. But Michael Knox, I mean, he's well known in the field and he and he saw it but to me it was very basic it's 
the fact that that was overlooked and, and 38 minutes is all it, the time that they took to investigate his case is insane because it was obvious. It was obvious things were moved. It was obvious it was staged. That's piss poor training and mm -hmm. a lack of, you know, getting the job done. I mean, I think they just wanted to go home. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I don't even know if that was training. Like Right. I, <laughs> when I saw when I saw the photographs, I was just like, how? I mean, it, it didn't even compute in my mind. Like, how did you look at that and just say, oh, yeah, it's a suicide. Let's, you know, wrap it up. 38 minutes. Yeah. I mean, and I see that like on the documentaries I see on um, well, on Netflix, you know, like, uh, I don't know if you watch Making the Murderer, like that's going through this whole thing. And but also, we don't know if that's like biased to the director and stuff like you don't know if he's just showing his right. opinion, but whatever. Um, the uh, the staircase, you ever seen that one? There was there's a whole incident with you know the the forensics people weren't doing their job right and all this stuff on that one, and it's just like what are you guys doing? I mean yeah because this is literally people's lives so yeah. you know I I see both sides you know this is not only the victim's family but mm -hmm. but the accused like right. we don't want to accuse someone of something if they, didn't, they didn't do it, it. you're yeah. taking someone's freedom away mm -hmm. I mean it's a high standard to take someone's freedom away but also I don't want somebody who's out a murderer walking the street either. So the job has to be done right every single time. And it has to be taken, you know, the same amount of care each case, because look what your family had to go through. Yeah. Look at the fight that they had to go through. And some families don't have the resources, don't have the knowledge to go through, you know, and fight and had, you know, the police got their way. Um, she'd still be walking the streets. Yeah, exactly. And all because of, you know, they wanted to go home or they were lazy or whatever it could have been, or they were not just, trained. Yeah. Not trained, not knowledgeable in what they were doing. Um, like the coroner just didn't even do his own thing. He listened to what someone told him. Right. Right. And he was there for what? A matter of minutes. Yeah. Um, and he himself on the stand admitted that he made a mistake. But, you know, and, and humans make mistakes. Don't mm -hmm. get me wrong. No right. matter what your profession is, you're going to make mistakes. But the fact that every cop that walked in that crime scene made a mistake at the coroner, the cops, yeah. um, you know, <laughs> even after when they were like, hey, you know, this is going on and here's this evidence. They were just kind of like, oh, yeah, well, you know, it's a suicide. So whatever. And I understand that people are going to make mistakes. But in this profession, you you really need to do your best every time. And that was not good police work. It just wasn't. Yeah. And I think, uh, I don't know, like mistakes, you're just kind of, I don't know. That just seemed more of a, mis than a mistake to me. That just seemed like they weren't even trying. So what else are you kind of like interested in? Does this take a lot, up a lot of your time? Like, Oh Lord. Um, so I have two kids. Um, I'm married. I have a ton of animals. Um, I volunteer with an organization here that helps um, victims of sex trafficking, human trafficking. So I'm pretty busy most of the Dang. time. Yeah. <laughs> the, the podcast. And, you know, on the side, I do represent families here locally. Some that I haven't covered on the podcast. Like I've never covered Jessica's case. My friend Heather from Big Mad True Crime did. Um, so she covered that case extensively and, you know, I'm a little too close to it to be trying to, yeah. to do it on a podcast. Um, so I work with her family. There's a couple other families I work with here. So yeah, I like to stay busy. 
Um, and I just, th- that's why the podcast came about. It was like making my two worlds collide. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of knowledge that I've gained from working with families that I would like to pass on and, ma- and make families feel like they're not so alone and make, you know, people who support them understand, you know, how they can support them and the things that can be done because, you know, when there's a murder, a missing person, any of those types of things, sometimes, and most of the time families don't know what to do because they've never faced that before. So that's what I hope with the podcast is to bring awareness of what can be done to shed light on cases that aren't, aren't as well known. So I don't try to cover big, huge cases. Cause I mean, we know all those things. Um, but there are so many cases out there that don't get attention and people don't know about. Yeah. And I like what you say at the end, you always say like, if you see something, say something. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And yeah, because there's so many cases that could be solved with just that one little bit of information Mm -hmm. and someone's scared or doesn't know where to go with it. So that's another thing that being a victim advocate here, you know, I just talk to the people who are victims and bring them to the police. I mean, that's what it comes down to is to be a liaison because it's intimidating to go talk to a police officer if mm-hmm. that's not what you're if that's not what you're used to doing. So, you know, it's nothing for me, but I've worked with them before. Right. For someone who is a victim, it's it's scary because are you going to be believed? And I'll tell you right now, I mean, I've been in a situation with someone and the cop didn't want to go there and and just kind of made some really derogatory comments. I said, "We're done here." And we went to a different agency. So, but people don't understand that they have those options. Like, you know, if the police department's not helping you, do you have a sheriff's department? Because you can go there too. So there's so many options that people aren't aware, aren't aware of. And I want to make people aware because no one should be a victim of a crime and, and someone not be held responsible. Yeah, that's tough. And, you know, I see a lot of videos. I think a big thing nowadays is, you know, especially I see on TikTok is like, uh, they'll make these videos where like the, this man is like beating his girlfriend, like, and it's all an act. Right. And they do it in public to see if anyone says anything and you just see people no watching. Does. You just see people watching. Right. And no one does. Yeah. Yeah. I and mean, I think we're desensitized to that. Mm. We're just, we just are. I mean, and, and we don't want to get involved. Nobody wants to get in anybody's business, but when someone's life is at stake, um, I, I don't think we have a choice. I mean, as humans of the universe, like not even, you know, just, just, a, just a regular person. If that was me, that was getting beat, if that was your kid. I mean, that's how you have to think because somebody has got to protect them. And if you're in that position, I mean, don't get yourself hurt, but call nine one one. Like how hard is that? I remember I was in a position one time, uh, me and my wife were walking down the wildwood, uh, boardwalk and, um, you know, a white girl was walking towards us and then this other black girl just came and just ripped her hair down and started just punching her and stuff like that. And I just kind of froze because unfortunately in the times that we're in, you know, the first thing that entered my mind was like, if I pull this black girl off of her, is that going to be a race thing? Are people going to like hate me? You know what I mean? Yeah. And I was like, why is that the first thing that entered my mind? Because of the media. Don't even get me started. Oh, I know. And then, so by that time, you know, someone else had already jumped in and broke them up and stuff like that. And, um, I don't know. I was just kind of mad at myself after that, you know, because I'm all, I'm very protective of my loved ones and my friends and, you know, I'm always watching out for them whenever we're out in public and stuff like that, even though 
they don't know. Even we're at, we're at our store, like I'm just walking around making sure I see things that they don't see. Right. But. Well, and I think in this time that we live with, you know, it's got to be black or white or Democrat or Republican yeah. or or male or female, and you have to pick a side. It's so frustrating because I just want to love everybody mm-hmm. and I just want to help everybody. And the fact that that has to enter our minds. But I mean, then with people of color, I mean, they have to think about that thing, that too. Yeah. Like, you know, they get profiled. And so it's just, I just want everybody to love each other. And I don't know what the solution to that is. Um, besides each one of us just making up our minds that, that we're, we're going to be those people and we're going to help people regardless. I mean, I, 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 I truly believe that we're the answer. The media is not the answer. Our government's not the answer. Right. It never has been. We are. Mm-hmm. So if we continue to push this agenda and continue to fight amongst each other, I mean, nothing's going to change. You, you can elect whoever you want. You can you know, it could be all Republican if that's the way you feel or all Democrat. Mm -hmm. And if our hearts haven't changed, I mean, what, what's the difference? There's just a different guy in office. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's what the media and the government's agenda has been. You know, they can, they can preach unity all they want, but they want division. It brings them money. It brings them power. And it's up to, like you said, it's up to us to, you know, come together and just like, not, let's not worry about that. You know what yeah, I, mean? I mean? Let's worry about there's bigger things at hand that really go on in this world than right. us disagreeing with each other with things. Like let's stop picking one side or the other. You know, and let's talk about something that we agree about and let's, you know, we have we have we have the freedoms that we do in this country for a certain reason. Right. And we agree on more things than we don't. Mm-hmm. I don't think people realize that because everybody picks those hot button issues mm, yeah. that, you know, is going to divide people. Um, we agree on a whole lot more than we don't. And so I don't understand this huge division and I hate division and I hate trying to be one side or the other. Cause even politically I'm, I'm kind of like a hybrid. Like I yeah, don't same. agree fully with either side. Mm-hmm. Um, so I hate being put in the middle. I hate being put in the middle of it's black versus white. It's, you know, rich versus poor. I'm just one of those people who loves everybody regardless. If you're a good person and, 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 and I say, if you're a good person, I don't really, I love everybody. Okay. I just do. I mean, obviously not murders and, you know, crazy stuff like that. I try, I pray a lot, but, <laughs> but that's not happened for me yet. Um, but I am, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I'm mm-hmm. a, a follower of Jesus and he loved everyone. And he didn't say, you know, the good Samaritan is, is the perfect example. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have to be the same to love each other. We don't have to be the same to serve each other. I don't need to know your politics to take care of you. I don't care if you're black. I don't care if you're brown. You could be freaking purple for all I care. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're human. And so you deserve the same amount of respect that I do. So I don't, I hate division. Division is like one of my probably top 10 pet peeves. Or someone says, you know, you're a Republican or you're a Democrat. No, I'm not. Like, I'm neither. It's not. Right, exactly. Like I'm I'm pretty much in the middle too, you know. I vote one way, but you know, my beliefs are in the middle. And like you said, you know, like someone was talking about um they were kind of like being judgy about something that someone was wearing at church. And I was just Oh lord. Yeah, I was like, are we really doing this? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um Jesus got on his knees and cleaned like a prostitute's feet. Right. 
And you're worried right. about someone wearing cut up jeans in church. Right. I was and, like, and what are we doing? Like, yeah. And then how welcoming is that? Like, is that what Jesus would do? Cause it's not, I mean, if you look at even his friends, the, the disciples were fishermen. Do you know any fishermen? Cause I know some fishermen and they're not, you know, the priest, right. <laughs> they're a little rough around the edges and yeah. I love them for it, but they are. And I think, you know, that's why to bring up the organization I volunteer with, it's called Rahab's Haven and it's for um, victims of trafficking. And that's what they do. They just love you where you are. So, you know, and, and they're not affiliated with the church. They're their own thing. Um, but it's, it's Jesus centered and our mission is just to serve people where they are. I mean, some of the people we come across are street people, you know, they're homeless, they're this, they're that, but those are the people Jesus, Jesus loved. And those are the people that Jesus served. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's just like my favorite thing about it. And for the longest, I was just out there doing it on my own, like rogue, um, I was just, you know, in the streets in my car by myself, feeding people and, and getting people into treatment. Um, but then I met this crazy church lady and, uh, it's actually her street (laughs) name. And, uh, she had the same heart and the same passion and and no judgment because I'm not a judgmental person. Um, and, and I think judgments are, you know, you don't know somebody's story. You don't know how they ended up there. You you don't know what's really going on, Mm -hmm. especially just passing someone in the street. And so, mean judgments are for the birds, man. Yeah, I mean, it's just a waste of time, really. You know, until you get to know that person, don't judge them until you get to know them, and then you can make your decision, you know? Right, <laughs> right. Some of the best people I've met in my life have been homeless. And yeah, I mean, I go. think that would shock people. But they have the biggest hearts, mm. and they're humble, and they have no pretenses. Like, they don't. They don't judge you. Um and, and they're just, those are my people, man. And it, it hurts a lot when I see somebody judge that, or, you know, someone who has had a former life or, or is a prostitute. Um, you know, a lot of the people I work with, that's, it is what it is, mm-hmm. but they're still people. And to watch them, they're some of the most amazing people you've ever met. Right. I mean, you would not know that because we don't give them the time of day. We walk right on by. That's one of the parts that I disliked it. You know, I grew up in church my whole life and, uh, it's, one of the things that really took me away from it and um, didn't hinder my beliefs at all. I'm actually stronger in my faith than I've ever been in my life. You know, I just don't really attend church right now. Um, And I think it's just because of that, because of the, uh, the stuff that you preach and you talk about in church and all these people, you know, gathering and acting all happy. And, but then you leave and you're someone completely different, you know, that's not everyone. But I've I've just seen it a lot in my life, and um, I don't know. I just I just don't want myself to be around those people, you know. Right. Just because I'm real, I'm every I'm the same everywhere you see me. Same. I get a lot. I get a lot of crap for that. Like I'm the same here. I'll be the same when I'm at the church. I'll be the same when I'm on the street. And so I'm not your typical cookie cutter Christian. Yeah. Like I'm not. I'm not there every time the door is open. I'm not going to pretend that I am. Right. I have a deep love for Jesus, yeah, not same. the church. Yeah. I, I love the church. I love the church people, but I'm a follower of Jesus, not a church. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm not even real picky on denomination, just the Bible, man. Like it, we, we make things way too complicated. I mean, you got John 3, 16, you got yeah. Matthew 25, 40, you got the whole thing down, you know, love Jesus, love each other. That's it. Right. Yeah. hundred percent. You know, 
I mean, it's a lot lot harder than it looks or sounds, but you know, I think it's something that we all have to we all have to do. And uh, I'll tell you one thing, you know, getting older and reading the Bible more and talking to God more, like I just become a nicer person. I, I grew up with a lot of anger, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know. I I just have a lot more um, care for people than I used to. Oh, I was a garbage person when I was like a teenager and like young 20s. Oh, my God. (laughs) Judgmental, like drunk all the time, partying. I was married at 18. So I did it with my husband, but we like partied. Um, I was one of those people. It's so funny because I help people get into rehab now. But I would walk past a drug addict and and that's exactly what I would think they were. Look at that. Like, I mean, what is wrong with you? Why can't you get yourself together? And I, too, was raised in church. I was raised Southern Baptist um, through and through. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still turned out that way. I mean, I can, it, I was garbage, man. I wouldn't even like me. Like if I knew me now, I'd be like, yeah, oh, yeah. that girl. Uh-uh. <laughs> and it wasn't until I started to look into my own family. My People in my own family suffered from addiction problems mm-hmm. and seeing the actual struggle. People don't understand that. They think, you know, just stop. Well, if they could just stop, they would. Yeah. Um, they can't, they need help. And so it's been a complete turnaround for me. Um, thank God. And I think I really got serious about Jesus then. And these were the people that he called us to serve. It was the least of these. That's the name of the podcast. That's why, um, that's, that's why it's named that. Um, because it was, and I was that person. I mean, I was a person I probably, I'm telling you, I couldn't have stood myself. I probably would have knocked myself out. Honestly, (laughs) like it's so crazy to look back now and know that I was that person. But I mean, I'm an honest person. I'm an open book. I haven't always been, you know, who I am today. And I think those things did like having that perspective and then having my eyes completely opened because that's what happened. Yeah, I mean, the exact same thing happened to me and you know, growing up in church, I'm sure you wanted to just like push it away, push it away. No, I don't want any part of that for the longest time. Um, you know, I was doing that. And then finally, I think I was like 28 years old and um, I'm 31 now. And I think I all of, like out of nowhere, I just made that change. I was just like, all right, God, I'm trying to I'm tired of doing and trying to do everything myself. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just going to give it to you. And then ever right. since then, you know, my heart um, has just been full of love and and less hate. And, you know, even though everything that's going on with the government and all that kind of stuff now with this, like, virus and whatever, I'm always looking at the positive. I'm always looking at the bright side of things and, you know, making sure, um, you know, my wife stays happy. And that she's okay, you know, she suffers from epilepsy and, you know, she's dealing with like the anxieties of this virus too. And I'm just trying to reassure her, hey, babe, I got you. You know what I mean? Like, as long as we're together, as long as we got God, like we're good, you know? Solid. So it's just that kind of thing. It's just, I have no worries. I have no stress because I know God's got me and... You know, th- going through all the things I've been through in my life and uh, being where I'm at now, I'm, I'm happy where I'm at now. You know, I, I have things that I'm 
shooting for. You know, I would love to grow the podcast. I would love to grow my business that I'm that I started, and I don't know. You know, just see where it takes me. Right. I'm, I'm not. I'm not perfect, and I'm nowhere close to where I want to be. But I'm right. a hell of a lot better than I used to be. Oh, right. And so I, it was a heart change for me. It sounds like that's what it was for you too. It was just, he just opened my eyes to see people the way he saw them and to care the way that he cared. And, and like you said, I used to stress about politics. I used to stress about the news. Mm -hmm. I used to stress about all those things, but ultimately none of that matters. I mean, it does, but it doesn't. It's up to us. It's up to us to be good humans. It's up to us to love each other. That's what he called us to do. So if we can just do that, the rest of it will fall into place. And I truly believe that. So I, I don't stress um, about that kind of stuff. I do stress about my families. Yeah. Um, I do stress about my cases. Right. But I do. And I pray over my families all the time, you know, regardless of their beliefs. My, my belief is, you know, and if I love you, I'm going to pray for you. So, I mean, you're just kind of stuck with that. And I think people know that when they get me. Yeah. Do a lot of your families, uh, like, are they like, have a sort of like religion? Do they have a, any kind of beliefs or anything like that? Or do they do a lot of praying? A lot of my families are um, Christian, mostly. A wow. lot of them are. There, there are a couple that, that aren't. Um, but but yeah, we do. And, you know, some of my families, uh, Jessica's mom, she's very, very, very in touch with God. And, and we, we pray together. And, you know, she'll send me a little text. She actually prays. She'll pray for me, which is just like... <laughs> She's the best. Like, that's the thing. That's the thing about this whole thing is like getting to know the families and, um, you know, you develop this unique relationship. Like we don't, some of these people I've never met in person, but we're on the phone together, you know, days and days and days. And, um, you get a certain level of closeness that you don't get generally. I mean, when you're not working on something like this, like this is the most vulnerable thing in their life. This is their child, their mother, their brother. This is their loved one. And they have to just lay it all out there. So there's a certain level of trust that I still, um, I still take to heart every time that someone is trusting me with that story. Someone is trusting me with this case file. Someone is trusting me to look over this. And so I take that very seriously. I take my job super seriously. Um, I would never want to be a person who just tells a story for, you know, for fun. It's, this yeah. isn't, this isn't fun sometimes. Right. I mean, I love this, but it's not fun. Um, all the time there. I mean, there are times that, it, you know, we have fun. Um, my families are amazing, but you know, it's not something I do because, you know, this is a hobby of mine. Um, my passion is to tell the stories. It's my passion to help families. Mm-hmm. And I am the least public person you would ever meet. So the fact that I even have a podcast is like, you know, sometimes I do laugh at God because of all the things I would have asked for, this was not it. Um, I can't believe how much I love it now, but you know, there was a long time. Everybody was saying, you know, you should do this. This would be a great way to like integrate both of your passions and, and, and bring things together because you're already working on these cases. So why not tell the story and help others too? So that's where it came from. But I was like, Oh no, like that means I got to talk to folks. Like that means <laughs> I got to be public. I can't do that. Um, but I mean, it was very prayerfully done and I knew that, you know, f- for instance, in Jake's case, not only do I think 
you know, you guys having the truth of what happened out mm-hmm. helped heal the family. Um, you know, I've, I've spoken to certain people in the family who do feel like that helped, you know, them heal because the truth of the story is out because courtrooms and all that is so cold. And it's so yeah. this, you know, X, Y, Z. Um, and I don't try to be that way, but it's also helped other families. You know, other families don't feel so alone. Other families know what to look for and know that they could get a private investigator. It helps more people. And so that was amazing because I mean, there you go. And even, you know, Mercedes case, she's missing. And some of the things that her family has done to help find her other people that I've worked with have decided, you know, that they're going to try that too. Maybe it would help in their case. So it's just about, you know, helping out, helping as many people as you can. And I, and I can't take every case and I can't take every family. So if I can share the story of what was done and what we did, maybe that can help someone, you know, five years from now, a week from now, like, I don't know. Cause I mean, I'm only one person, Mm -hmm. but if we can tell the story and we can give you clues and hints of what you can do to help, yeah, then we're able to help in that way. So I like that, you know, a lot of these families do pray because I would assume, you know, when you have someone, you know, especially your kid go missing that you just ask why, you know, and I'm sure they have. Oh and, yeah. Cause that's, you know, as strong as I think I am, um, <laughs> I know if that would happen, you know, if I had a child and they went missing like that, there's no way I wouldn't ask why. A huge test of faith. It is. I was actually watching something the other day and this kid was asking a, like a biblical guy that was speaking and then he was taking questions from the audience and the kid asked, well, if God's, if God's real, you know, why are people getting murdered and raped and stolen and stuff like that? And the guy just like went quiet and he didn't know how to explain it, you know, and I think that's tough on his part, but you know, if he's up there speaking, he's better come up with something. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, I think that's, that's the toughest question, but we it live is. in a fallen world. I mean, that's just, that's, we live in a fallen world and God's not this person that's, you know, up there controlling every choice we have personal choices people make their own choices he gave Mm. us that free will right which is both a blessing and a curse Mm -hmm. um and i think sometimes i mean i don't want to take that question either because that's a hard one but for me for me it's just it's a fallen world and this is not a permanent home and and that's that's tough man that's tough to think about because you know that's your baby that's gone or that's you know your loved one that's murdered but we were never meant to be here anyway. We're here for a short time mm-hmm. and um, that's it. This isn't our home. So it's it's a tough one. And yeah, but if you're biblical up there talking, you should probably have a better answer. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I mean, I don't know I, why. I, I don't, I can't answer that. He has his reasons right. and he does allow things to happen sometimes that I even blow my mind. Mm-hmm. But I know that he loves us and I know that there has to be something behind it. Right. And I think, I think that is the the right, the, the answer that I would say too. like what you said, you know, we do have that free will and it's a blessing and a curse. And, um, you know, if everything was meant to be perfect, we wouldn't even be here because he would have just taken everyone up with him already. Right. And we live in, you know, I see, I see the best of this world and the worst of this world at the mm-hmm. same time. Yeah. And, um, it, it amazes me sometimes 
how dark things can be, but then I'm amazed too at the light because there, there are some amazing people in this world. I mean, everybody, I mean, there are just some people that you're just like, man, like, I don't even know where you came from. Like, you're just, you just fell down from heaven. Um, and then, you know, you have evil people. So I don't know, man, it's, it's tough, but I know that he loves us and I know that he has a purpose for everyone. And, and that's just what I hang my hope on. I mean, my life hasn't been perfect. And there's been times where I've questioned why he's allowed things to happen to me, but nothing, nothing compared to a missing child. I, I honestly don't know if there's anything worse because at least when someone is murdered, you have, you have answers, right? They're Mm -hmm. not coming back. Um, when your baby's missing, you don't know. Right. Every day you're on this roller coaster. I've talked about the roller coaster from hell before. It really is hell. It's today, you know, she's alive. Nope, she's gone. Nope, there's hope. Nope, that hope's gone. And you you take this ride through hell and twists and turns and highs and lows, and you end up right in the same freaking position you were in. You don't have the answer. You don't have your baby. And I think that's, that's so hard. And it's so hard. What do you say? There's nothing I can say. There's nothing I can do. All I can do is look and that's it. And it's, that's why I say, if you know something, say something. Yeah. Because there are so many families out there that that one little piece of information, you know, that you don't, you know, you might not think it's that big of a deal, but it it could put together a puzzle and Mm -hmm. it could bring someone closure or it could bring someone home. And regardless, every family that's missing a child deserves one of those two things. Child, adult, I don't care who's missing. They deserve closure. They deserve their their loved one. Exactly. The one thing I was going to I was going to ask you, because I, I have seen, you know, a couple like articles kind of like hidden down in the media and um, over top of all the coronavirus stuff, you know, and the political stuff. And you do see some human trafficking. And I see that it's actually um growing now because no one's really paying attention to it it's huge and it happens right underneath our nose like it's not this big scary guy in the street like everyone thinks like they're just going to abduct you off the street um you know in children's cases 40 percent of children who were trafficked were trafficked by someone who they knew and who was the guardian Mm. so it's it's happening at baseball games it's happening right in front of you and i think it's so important for people to be aware um, the organization that I volunteer with Rahab's Haven, they have three main points. The first one is awareness. And we have things here, and this is just local here in Albany, Georgia, but there's organizations like ours all over. Um, you know, they will teach you what the signs are, what to look for, because in this country and the United States alone, only 1% of trafficking is reported. That's 1%. Wow. So there's a whole 99% out there that. We don't even know. We don't know who these victims are. And and a lot of them are children. I mean, it's awful to think. And it's awful to think what these people go through. So the second point that we do is outreach. And that's just loving on, you know, victims, girls that are at risk. There's Bible studies. We go on the streets and feed them. Um, we like to cater to the whole woman. So she needs clothes, food, um, hygiene items, love. Most importantly, love because you know, that's the traffickers weapon is to make them feel like they're not worthy. They're not wanted and they're not worth love. So we have to make them see that they're beautiful. They're worth it. And that in God's eyes, they're perfect. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's, 
that's the outreach part. And then the restoration part. So we do rescues. I mean, it's nothing that I could specifically talk about because I would never want to put one of our girls in danger, but they are taken from here and they are taken somewhere to heal, um, away from here. So that's, that's been a huge blessing to me to be able to, to see that and and see it come full circle and see girls rescued. Yeah. That's, oh my gosh. That's so crazy. And you know, like, I, I mean, I see videos too of, um, like women being taken from like, uh, parking lots and like, like women and children, stuff like that, you know? And, um, that's the good thing about social media. Cause there's good stuff, um, that people show you like, Hey, this is how you can tell if someone's not doing okay. Like there's a little trick with your cell phone that you do you know, when you put it on the floor or something like that. And then, um, seeing the zip ties on your car and stuff like that, how that's a trick where if you see that, just run away or go back in the store. Right. And so the other thing people can do is there's free training online. You can go to Mm -hmm. onwatch.org and it teaches you what to look for with sex trafficking. Mm -hmm. Cause there are certain things you you can look for. Um, We could talk about that all night. So, so if you're, if you're interested, I would suggest that anyone would go to onwatch.org. It's completely free. And if you're not sure, if something just feels off, report it because I would rather you be wrong a hundred times mm-hmm. than, than be right and not report it just the once, because you may be the only person that lays eyes on that girl or that child or that man. I mean, men are trafficked too. It, it's, it's much lower, but they are. And so that's one of the things people don't look out for. Um, you know, being wrong and having a cop show up and you know, everything's fine. Yeah. I mean, that's that that's that's whatever Mm -hmm. but being right and not calling because you're afraid and that girl is taken i mean it's not worth it to me at all all. so if you if you suspect it just call i mean they're not going to be mad and and don't put yourself in a dangerous situation if you suspect it call leave the area leave the area and then call whatever you feel comfortable doing um because it is a huge problem in this country and i don't think a lot of people are aware yeah because here in here in Albany, I, I didn't I did not know the extent of it. Yeah. And it's 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 huge here. And it's huge everywhere. It's not just here. Yeah, and one good thing I like to that I've seen is that Ashton Kutcher is like a huge, you know, mm-hmm. person doing something about it where you see celebrities now just making stupid videos and just running their mouth and not really doing anything about anything. And but he's putting, you know, all his heart and soul into something like this and making a huge difference. So that's pretty cool to see. It is amazing. We see people like that step up because they have a huge platform and a huge voice. And then they're actually, you know, putting action behind it. Cause you can say all the words you want to say. I mean, we can sit here and have this conversation, but somebody has got to go out in the street and get the girls. Mm-hmm. And that's why I love, love what I do. Exactly. Well, Leah, I thank you for coming on and it was it was fun talking to you. Yeah, it was a good time. <laughs> um, tell everyone where they could find your podcast and Instagram, stuff like that. So least of these, um, you can search it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcast. You can also search Big Mad Media because I officially signed last week with Heather and Kyle over at Big Mad Media. 
Um, I have a Facebook page at least of these and my Instagram is least underscore of these. And if you would like to support my mission and help women who are being trafficked, you can go to Rahab's Haven. It's um, Rahab's Haven, Albany. Just search it out or there's a Facebook page and you can make donations through PayPal. So I don't make any money off the podcast right now. Um, I don't have a Patreon, but if you guys wanted to support me, I would be a hundred percent down with the proceeds going there. Well, thank you. This is fun. Yeah, definitely. We should do this again when, you know, we got a big case or something. Yeah, there you go. If you're down, I'm down. I'm down. All righty, sir. All right. Thank you so much. All right. Bye.